0: I know some of that series may have sounded a little bit like a, a rant at times. Um, I promise you it was not a rant. Uh, it was, um, I think every drop of it was biblically uh, founded and based. And um, it's where we are in this world. And it's where we've been for a long time, if you want to know the truth uh, we've uh, been able to establish that. But I believe as Christians, guys, as Bible believers, especially in the world that we live in today, um, man, you can get a little frustrated. You can get a little frustrated with those who seemingly, um, man, they're just not on fire for the Lord. But guys, we can look around today, uh, quite different this morning. I understand it's a Wednesday morning uh, service. And so there's going to be a, a select p- people who are able to make a Wednesday morning. We changed this time uh, because of the driving issues at nighttime. I fully understand that. And that's what we, you know, we're doing that to, to help people, To you know, and I and I, and I get that. Um, but people struggle spiritually. They struggle with situations. They struggle with uh, problems in their life as a Christian. All right. But if they don't put into their Christianity, and that includes the local church, you're going to get out what you're put into it. If you're putting in half the time, you're going to get half the, out, half, you know, half the effort, half the benefit. Uh, I'm not trying to be angry. I'm not trying to be mean. Uh, guys, you know, many of the problems that most of us deal with, if not, I don't know, I think majority of our problems are our own fault, uh, of what we choose to do, not do in our life, guys. Uh, there's a dark side to human nature that you need to understand. If you don't think there's a dark side to yourself, you are a fool, and you're fooling yourself. Paul made it very clear in Galatians that the, uh, the, that the Spirit is in enmity with the flesh, and the flesh and the Spirit. It's like this from the beginning. It's going to be like this until the day that we have a glorified body in Christ and put on mind Christ. Amen. There's a daily battle. It's a daily battle that you can win, if you will many a times, just put yourself down, okay, and put Christ first. that means his local church. That means his Bible, his prayer. And you say, well, preacher, I pray and and I read my Bible, uh, but I make it to church half the time. You're only going to win half the battles. Christians are meant to have fellowship. They are meant to have fellowship one with another, feeding from the table. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm thankful for our online capabilities. I am, uh, you know, we reach we're reaching over 46 countries a month. Praise God for that. Thousands of listenings and downloads. Praise the Lord for that. I'm thankful for that. But I like that. I like that thing we saw a couple of weeks ago. We we saw that, that uh, a man compared online services to physical services. Uh, is the similarity of, of trying of putting on a um, a video flame a fire, if you will, like that app that you have for the fireplace putting that on and expecting yourself to get warm from it, okay? There is a difference. It is quite tranquil. It's nice. It's easy to study to. It has nice little sounds. It looks like fire. And it brings something. There's a comfort that that, that thing brings to your, your study or your office or your home. But it ain't going to warm you, okay? And uh, so the, online is a great alternative, guys. It's, it's a great thing to have if you cannot make it to church. But guys, we need to make sure we do. So I want to bring a thought to you this morning. Not a new sermon by any stretch of the imagination. I've preached it uh, multiple times in multiple countries. Um, But it's coming out of 1 Kings today, chapter 18, when we begin to look at where we are this morning. And I'll look and see what, I have not put all the verses up on the board today, Um, just for whatever reason. 1 Kings chapter 18, we're going to look in verse 25 to begin with, read down to verse 30. The Bible says And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first for ye are many and ye are many and call on the name of your gods, but put no no fire under it. And they took the bullock which was given them and dressed it and called on the name of Baal and called uh, on it says called on the name of Baal from morning even unto noon saying O Baal hear us but there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. They cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner, with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was uh, past. They prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. Watch this now. That was broken down. Father in heaven, we ask you this morning to take your message. Nothing new, but I pray it be fresh. I pray there be a bit of fresh oil upon the message this morning, dear God. Very familiar passages of scripture, very familiar events. I ask you this morning to make a difference in our lives. Make a difference in the lives of those that will hear this message, Father. Make a difference dear God that you may be able to touch and tender people's hearts, that you may be able to draw them nigh unto you. And we'll give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So again, guys, we're all we're all acquainted with the events of, of the 18th chapter of 1 Kings. So, like I said, it's nothing new. And, and some of you guys have probably heard the message before, but. But again, the mighty prophet Elijah challenged these these pagan prophets. Guys, if there's ever any question to where... Uh, cutting yourselves and, and, and all of this and that comes from and, and, and I understand that people deal with this with, with certain mental issues and whatnot, but if there is ever any answer or any question of where the what the root of the problem is, it is satanic, it is demonic uh, to do these things. We see that in verse twenty eight and they cried aloud, can cut them cut themselves after their manner. It was normal for pagans to harm themselves in the name of their gods. Amen. And that's what you find here in the things that are going on in our world today, for whatever particular reason, is linked to the very same ideology, and that is Satanism, if you will. So, beloved, we find that this wonderful and mighty, I love Elijah, I love him as a, as a man, as a, as a prophet, as a man of God, and and uh, the mighty prophet Elijah challenged these pagan prophets of Baal uh, to match before uh, the people to reveal unto them the one and true only God. Uh, he, he challenged them to this match. He challenged them. Say, hey, look, man, you know, get you a bullock, but don't set any fire underneath it. You call on your God to call down fire. And, beloved, and, uh, we've seen these type of things happen in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, we saw that with Moses, if you remember. And Moses went over there, and, and Moses chucked down the the staff, and guess what happened? It became a snake, didn't it? Well, those those enchanters, those pagan uh, 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 priests over, and they did the same thing. And then we find what happens was that the the snurp the serpent that came from Moses ate up their serpents, if you will. And we saw the same thing with the with the blood, and, and we saw it with the frogs, and, and we've seen these things happen, these challenges before. Beloved, this one's different. Israel was living in such a way that paganism was running rampant throughout the country. And just in our chats earlier before church, we're uh, talking about America and, and what's going on in there and, and how we're just, we're, we're absolutely blown uh, out of our mind as to what is going on and and what 's happening governmentally there and and what 's happening in the education system and it 's things that are happening here as well uh guys uh, you know and the reason being is because we have allowed one way or another paganism to run rampant, no different than the, the pagans that we have. And they think paganism is a good thing uh, just up the road here and their, uh, their little shops and their crystals they pray unto. They're devils, guys. They are demonically possessed. Uh, it's what they are. And they are heading to a devil's hell unless something miraculously intervenes in their life. But we're seeing it today. Uh, witchcraft and warlocks and all these in our surrounding areas right here in this little village in the Cunning Valley. We're seeing this thing happen before us. Because it's becoming widely accepted. And this is the same thing that the nation of Israel had done just to accept all the paganism, push the Christianity out, get away with the truth because it convicts or offends, but bring in paganism and expect it not to offend. How did this happen? Well, here's how it happened, my friend. Our leaders, our nations... Our religious leaders in this nation have done the same thing that Ahab did with Israel. What he did was he blended two types of worships. The God of Israel, the true and only God, and Baal. And there's a problem with that. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 42, 8, I am the Lord, capital L, small cap O-R-D, that is my name, in my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Yet the king, Ahab, who was vile and wicked in himself, had tried to blend and, and bring this pluralistic religion into, into the nation and allow them uh, to worship Baal, thinking they were going to reap the benefits and the blessings from God and bring him glory and serve in serving these pagan gods. The result of this pluralistic type of worship, guys, was that God sent a drought, a famine, if you will, into the land. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Amen and amen. So this is what happens. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you this. Amos tells us, There's going to be a famine in the land, but not a famine of water nor food, but a famine of the Word of God. So just as you see in in this physical famine, this physical drought in 1 Kings, okay, the result of this thing of three and a half years of no dew, no rain, no water, no nothing whatsoever, we find it in our world today, but it's not of food. It's not of water. You see, we are a land of an abundance. I understand financially. I understand there's financial struggles today, and it's going to get worse. I understand that. But we have food. We have water. But what we don't have, we don't have an abundance of the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Why? Because we've allowed a pluralistic, when I say we, I mean general population, we've allowed this pluralistic type of worship. Let's go along to get along. I'm not interested in go along to get along. There's an altar of our Lord today. In our world, which specifically is in our heart and its nature and its state is representative of what we have allowed to happen in our own lives in the lives of our church members and our church families. I want you to understand something, guys. A drought and a famine of food and water is bad enough, but a drought and a famine of the Word of God is detrimental to the human soul. Friend, God is not going to share His glory with another. He is not going to do it here. He's not going to do it overseas. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's England, Wales, America, Germany, China, wherever it is, God's not sharing His glory with another. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, He said. It's easy to forget our, our purpose as believers today. Our purpose as as Christians, it's easy for us to forget it, guys. But but let us never forget God's place in our life. The Lord's not going to share his glory with another. We, we, you, know, you know, sometimes we get frustrated with the issues at, at, at home or work or whatever, at church, whatever it may be, things that we deal with, everyday society. We get frustrated with that, and, and it's easy for us to sidestep sometimes and forget what our purpose for being here, not just as a missionary, but I'm talking about as a, as a saved, born-again believer. My purpose is not to convince you that I'm right. My purpose is to convince you that God's right. And he will always be right. His word is right. But you're going to see the problem, guys. And I believe this to be true in all of my heart today. I think it's a matter of the heart. I will always hold the church more accountable than I will lost people. Always. We, you, we have dogs. Dog bark. You can't get mad at a dog for barking because that's what dogs do. Amen. Same thing with cats and birds and what? Birds chirp. Amen. Cats meow and scratch things and people, right? The sinner sins. It's what they do. But I want you to notice something here with me, if you will, this morning. I want you to notice a picture, uh, and this, this is representative of what we find inside of our heart today. Notice uh, where the altar of God is. Notice what happens. Look in verse 30. We find that the altar of God was broken down. Verse 30 says, And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me, and all the people came near unto him, and, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Remember, God said he's not going to share his glory with anyone else. It is his and his alone. Two worships cannot dwell in the same land. Jesus Christ made it very clear. He said, no man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, let me stop you there just for a quick second. You you ask yourself right now, could you as a born-again believer ever hate the true and real God today? You better say yes, because Jesus Christ said that you will. He's either all your God or He's none of your God. I told you, hey, listen, there was a darkness inside of mankind that is there, fighting against the Spirit of God, that is there every single day. And if you, if you put a blanket over that Spirit of God, if you stifle that fire down, if you do not feed that fire, the altar of God in your heart today will be broken down, broken all the way down, if you will, and you will begin to despise the things of God. Well, I don't want to go to church on Sunday. Well, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. I don't want to have devotions. And you'll justify it within yourself, thinking you have the right to say that when it was our God who loved you enough to give His only begotten Son to die on a cross, humiliating, painful death. And you'll begin to despise Him. No, not me, preacher. Yeah, you, people. Amen? Jesus Christ said it Himself. If you do not feed the Spirit of God that is inside of you, that which is dark and deceitful and devilish, that flesh will be an enmity, and it will win. Pastor Ellis used to tell us, and make it very clear, when a person gets saved, it's like having two dogs inside of you, one white one, one dark one. And uh, he said, the one that's going to win is the one that you say, sick em, boy. Or in other words, the one that you feed is the one that's going to win. In the, in the case of Israel here, in the case of Elijah, we find that the altar of God, which should have been uh, in perfect uh, order, should have, been very, should have been perfectly operational was broken down. Why was it broken down? Because people despised the word of the Lord. Why? Because they were trying to serve two masters. In every country which has attempted to split or share God's glory, it is the altar of God that results in being broken down. It is the altar of God that is hated. It is the altar of God that is despised, not the pagan altars. Never, never is it that altar. It's always God's altar. It's always the Lord's church. It's always the Lord's word. Beloved, there's a famine in our land today because God's altar is broken down, or at least it's breaking down, if you will. Yet Beal's altar, it's in perfect shape, well visited, well attended to, well maintained, but not the altar of God. Friend, you, you, we could spend all day long revealing the broken altar of the Lord in our world today, in our land, in our own heart, in our own church. I mean, whether it be across the seas or whether it be across the county line, whether it's across the, the, the street or whether it's across the pew, man. The reality is the world needs the same thing today that they needed in the days of Elijah. There's a great movement of the Holy Spirit of God in the midst of revival flames that will bring souls to the foot of the cross and revealing their sin and their dire need for the Savior. And guys, that goes the same for us who are already saved. If the altar of God is broken down in your heart. You know what you got to do? Get back to the cross, man. Get back to seeing what Jesus Christ did for you, amen? You yeah, know, but preacher, I may lose my friends. They eat your friends if you're going to lose them. And if they won't go with you, you don't need them. Amen. altar God is broken down. If you study the altars in the Bible, you know what you're going to find? If you study out altars in, in the Word of God, and you do a deep study on them, and I challenge you to do so, you know, what you, you know what you'll always find? You'll never find an altar in the state of disrepair that God used or visited. Never did. And we want Revival. We want God's blessing in our life. Is your altar broken down? You want God's blessing in your life? You want God to visit you? You want protection? And you want God to do the things for you in your life? Answer your prayers? Is that altar ready to be visited? Amen. That's what you need to ask yourself. That's what the world needs to ask themselves. Am I doing everything? To, am I the best church member a person could ever be? Am I reading my Bible? Am I praying? Am I witnessing? Am I in church when the doors are open? If the answer of that, is if any of those things are no, then your altar is not in prem shape. And I know that may be a hard pill to swallow, guys, but that's just the way it is. And I'll say this right now for, to the young people. If you're coming to church because mom and daddy's having to drag you there, your altar's broken down. You need to get it fixed. You ought to be in church when mom and daddy aren't there. I've told my children, uh, ever since they were born, ever since they could understand, you're only going to be able to ride mom and daddy's testimony for so long. You're only going to be able to ride there. You have got to develop your own testimony. You've got to develop the convictions that have been instilled in you. And you can go out there and you can try it if you want to. You can go out in this world with a broken down altar of God. And what's going to happen? You're going to reap exactly what you sow. You're going to get into a life of a mess. It's going to hurt. Amen. So, with that thought, what does Elijah do with a broken altar? Let me ask you this real quick. Does he beg God to overlook the brokenness of it? God, I understand that this altar is broken down and it ain't worth two nickels rubbed together, but would you use it? Nope. God, just overlook, you know, Lord, if you will, if you will, just, you know, please, just. Use this old decrepit broken down altar that won't even hold the bullock. Nah. What did he do? Well, he built it. He built it up. Look at verse 31 through 32. So then Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the, of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. What did he do? Number one, he built the altar. Number two, he built it in the name of the Lord. Number three, he repaired the altar that was broken down. And this is the key. Elijah did not build, a, build a, one, a, an altar in the name of, of a man. He didn't do that. He built it in the name of the Lord. He didn't try to build it in, in his name. He'd get the glory. Why? Because the same thing stands, whether it's Baal or it's Billy. Amen. God's not giving his glory to another. It's his glory, not yours, not mine. So Elijah said, I'm going to build this altar back up. I'm going to repair this altar. I'm going to build it in the way that it should be built. Notice this with me, if you will, friend. He needed to build up the altar of his home. He needed to build up the altar of his head. He he built the altar of his hands. But, beloved, I'm going to tell you this here this morning. This is where everything lies. He had to build the altar of of his heart. Man, you can go through the motions. You can look like you've got everything in order. But if that altar of the Lord is not built inside your heart today, you're going to fail every time. Look Look at the first part of verse 33. It says, and he put the wood, watch this, in order. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Amen? In verse 33, tells us that he put it in order, guys. And if we see our lives in order, our churches planted, our, li- our churches in order, souls saved across the world in pursuing the Great Commission. Guys, we're, if we're going to see those things today, it may, must be a result of us building the altar of the Lord, repairing the breaches in the altar of God in our heart. It's got to be done in order. Our home needs to be in order. Our hands, which is a, a picture of our works, they need to be in order. Our head, which is a picture of our thoughts, they need to be in order. Our, our home life, if you will, it needs to be in order. That's our walk, if you will. So guys, when we, we begin to look, and I want to I give a brief introduction as we go into our final point here this morning, and we a, a bit of closing comments I want you to stay with me. I want you to see this in verses 33 through 35. The Bible tells us here, it says, And he put wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time, and they did it a third time. And the water ran down about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. All right, so notice what happens here, okay? He takes four barrels times three emptied. That's 12 barrels of water full, yeah? Now, I want you to remember what's happening in the days that this event's being recorded, all right? In First King, Kings 17 and 18, uh, there has not been as much as dew falling to the ground. There was a massive drought, there was a massive famine in the land. And yet Elijah takes 12 barrels of water and dumps them all over the sacrifice, all over the trench, all over, I mean, from the top of the bullock, the wood, and the trench it goes around. Now, one thing that most people assume when they read this is that that, uh, he he was trying to prove that God would come through. Can I tell you this here this morning, Uh, guys? God doesn't need a parlor trick to prove he's God. You understand that? That water that went onto that sacrifice, that wood, and into that trench, it had nothing to do with God, but everything to do with Elijah. You see, they're at the end. They didn't know they were at the end. But they're at the end of a three-year drought. Water was a rare and a very hot commodity. The prophets of Baal must have, 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 have thought this guy's lost his mind pouring the liquid gold upon this altar and this sacrifice. But why do you think he would do this? Why would you think that Elijah would do something? To, again, God doesn't need a parlor trick. You understand? There was an altar that was broken down. He built it up. He built the altar up because it's a representation here today that he's built it up for our body. Before the Lord wants anything in our life he would have our life first and foremost god is interested in having you and i on the altar elijah was exercising an unfeigned faith draining the well dry trusting the lord to provide and elijah said guess what i'm all in our body is 70 plus percent water you know what god wants he wants you he wants your heart he wants your mind he wants your spirit he wants your words he wants, he wants your life, guys. Your life on the altar of the Lord is the first thing God wants in your life. The first thing. We think about this altar of the Lord, and we think about what Elijah did, and we think about, uh, we look at it, and I've heard so many men preach from this context, and they say, yep, you know, he was proven. Wet wood, wet, wet bullock, wet altar, trenches around, and you know what? Here you go. He was just proven that God was God. God doesn't need that, Amen. The Bible tells us very clearly here. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Some people said, where did the water come from? Well, they went down to the Mediterranean Sea. We've been to the place where this sacrifice happened. We've been there on that mountain. We've seen it. We saw how far or close it is. But now it was the time of the sacrifice, of the evening, the evening sacrifice. I can promise you this. They didn't make three trips down that Mediterranean Sea and pour that water on us. Where did that water come from? You see, guys, God has always taken care of His people. David said, I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen people go without bread. i have never seen them starving. Amen. God's blessed them. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that those 12, total of 12 barrels of water came from the resources that God provided for Elijah. Clear, fresh, drinkable water. You know why? Because God said, I, you know, I want you, Elijah. He had Elijah. But Elijah wanted to show those people, I'm all in. Your God didn't show up, been here all day long. You've been hooping, hollering, backflitting, all this thing that you're doing. Your God didn't show up. We know the end of the story. We don't even need to go into it. The Bible tells us that fire from the Lord fell, verse 38, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The Bible says that people saw it. Backside of that 450 prophets of Baal was slain. But the whole key to the matter is today, guys, is for us to ask ourselves, am I in? You know, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's all Elijah's doing. Elijah Elijah didn't know the drought was coming to an end. We know the rest of the story. Elijah saw that little bitty old cloud out there like a hand, and then he ran down there to Ahab and said, listen, Slick, you better get back. Because it's about to come a monsoon? soon. But he didn't know that going into it. And you know, he said, I'm going to trust my God. I'm going to rebuild this altar of the Lord in my heart. I am put, listen people, I'm a testimony. And I'm going to put everything in. Here it is. And that's what you need to do. That's what Elijah saying that day. And beloved, that's what he's saying to us today. Paul said it is our reasonable service to give our bodies over. Our bodies not our just our spirit not just eternity but our bodies our mind our words our eyes our ears our thoughts our heart which means you got to evaluate what you're putting in your mind in your heart in no different than food man if you go eat mcdonald's every single day you're going to be fat diabetic and unhealthy and you're going to die okay Same thing spiritually. If you're putting garbage into your life every single day, you're going to be fat spiritually. You're going to be diabetically spiritually. Whatever you want to do, you're going to be decrepit in your spiritual life. So, beloved, I can't examine it for you. I can't do anything. But I present this to you here this morning for you to evaluate the the, the altar of God in your heart and what you need to do about it. And if it's broken down today, you need to build it back up. You need to build it up in the name of the Lord, not in the name of yourself, not in the name of this church, but in the name of the Lord. But once you build that altar back up, beloved, that's what you need to do. You need to fall back and say, you know what? Here's my body, Lord. Everything that I am, I'm yours. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the morning. We thank you for the time together today. We pray that you please would Hear our prayers and answer them according to Thy will. And I pray that you take this message today and write it upon our hearts, Lord. Let us not soon forget it, dear God, I ask. Bless us the rest of this day. Bless us with a productive and safe uh, rest of uh, uh, this Wednesday. And Lord, we love you. And Lord, I do thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for your mercy, your grace, and I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement and education to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Aberaman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall, and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today, by some tragedy, This is the last moment you had on this earth. When you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment with, for mankind is death. Romans 6, 23 clearly tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, What would what would stop you right here right now from bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this Lord Jesus Christ? I trust in you Jesus Christ I believe that you died on the cross for my sins And I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life now, here's the thing you say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you We'll have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. Hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.